Today in the Journey with Pastor Steve DeWitt. So what do we learn from this as it relates to decision-making? Here it is. That circumstances are controlled by God, but merely provide the context for decisions. All decisions are to be guided by God's revealed will and spiritual expediency. Decisions are often perceived as isolated occurrences. Yet every decision we make, whether big or small, carries the potential to influence our future. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt, Senior Pastor at Bethel Church in Northwest Indiana. Today, Pastor Steve reminds us that as Christians, we have God's Word and Spirit to help us navigate life's smallest choices and its most significant crossroads. You'll find related resources online at thejourney.fm. But right now, here's Pastor Steve with the first part of a message titled, The Providence of God. Well, this morning we are wrapping up our series entitled, Dear God, What Do You Want Me to Do? And trying to understand more clearly how we as Christians are to come to know what God has for us, what His will is for our lives. This morning, uh, we're going to talk about guidance and the providence of God. Guidance in the providence of God. This morning, uh, let's say that you are thinking about changing careers. Just thinking about it. Maybe you've actually mentioned it once or twice in a prayer. When all of a sudden, one day, you get a phone call. And the phone call is a friend of yours. And the friend of yours has a, a position that is open. And it happens to be exactly what you were hoping maybe would open up. When you hang up the phone... Do you take that phone call as being God's leading or not? Let's say that you're thinking about buying a new house. And in your heart, you pray to the Lord about it. And you actually say in the prayer, Lord, in my heart, I'd really like a big backyard for the kids, and I was hoping for a three-car garage. You go ahead and make that, just sort of throw that in. And so you're dropping your kids off for school that day, and because of a road construction thing, you have to take a different detour route to get home. And on the detour route to get home, you go driving by this house, and it has a for sale sign in it. And you look at the for sale sign, and you look at the backyard, and it's big. And you look at the garages, one, two, three. Do you take that as some kind of sign that God wants you to buy the house? Would it maybe even be disobedient not to buy the house after praying for it and then coming across it in such an unusual circumstance? I remember my sophomore year in college. I happened to be on the phone with a friend who happened to have uh, this girl that was spending the night with her from a southern Christian college. I asked to talk to her. And she happened, this girl happened to know a good friend of mine that went to that college, which I thought was unusual. And the next morning, in a very weird circumstance, she happened to eat breakfast when I did. And on top of that, now seeing her for the first time, she happened to be pretty hot. (laughs) And she happened to sit by me for breakfast which was quite okay with me. That morning, 
I went to church, and in the 2,000-seat auditorium, there only happened to be one seat open, and it was next to this girl, which again was totally okay with me. She happened to sing really well, I noticed, which I sort of liked. They happened to invite me to take her to the airport, and I happened to have time. We happened to sit close together in the back seat on the way to the airport. I happened to tell her I was thinking she was pretty great, and she happened to say the same thing back to me. Was all of this a coincidence? All of these happen chances that were falling into place? Was this girl my soulmate and God was circumstantially bringing her into my life? Well, the answer is that I would never know because she happened to get on a plane, and the next time I saw her, she happened to be married with two children. So. <laughs> But do you see how I could look at all those happen chances and say, I think that maybe God is leading this way. I mean, after all, what are the chances of me and her and the seating and the auditorium? I remember literally walking in the auditorium going, oh man, it's packed because I was late because I was talking to her at breakfast. Where am I going to sit? And I'm like, there's a seat. And oh my goodness, look who's sitting right there. We look at these things and if we're not careful, we could spiritualize the circumstances of life. And many people, I think, are confused on this point. Yet we do believe, of course, that God works and controls circumstances, doesn't he? Of course. So how then, here's the question, how does God expect us to navigate through the circumstances that he is sovereignly controlling? Are they signs? Are they hints about what God wants us to do or not. And so we've been studying this whole issue of how to know God's will for your life. And quick review. We began in Romans 12, 2, foundational verse. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And what we saw from that is that the first step to knowing what God's will is for you is to saturate your mind with God's word. And what we said is that God's word is his will. So as I saturate my heart and my mind with his word, the decisions that I make now are being conformed to what his word says, and since his word is his will, my decisions are conforming to his will as well. Now we saw that God's will has two dimensions. There is the hidden will of God, which we cannot know, ordained before the foundations of the world, and we're not to know about it, we're not even to worry about that. The other dimension is his revealed will, which is his word which we are very much to worry about and to be careful with and to apply in moral parameters, absolutely obedience, and in other uh, decisions, biblical principles. And these choices that we make are to be guided by wisdom. A life according to wisdom was last week. And the nine steps that I laid out for how to arrive at what wisdom is in a decision. So that in the end, as Augustine said, we are to love God and do as we please. Because as we love God and delight in Him and are passionate for Him and saturate our hearts with His Word, now His desires become our desires and the decisions we make conform to what He would want us to do in our lives. Yet we still have this unresolved issue of circumstances. Okay? What do we do with circumstances? God's control of circumstances is known as the providence of God. I'd like you to say that with me. The providence of God. Now providence, I think, is one of the most ignored and most precious truths in the entire Bible. 
So let's define it first of all. What is the providence of God? The Westminster Confession says it this way. God, the creator of all things, doth uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures, actions, and things, from the greatest even to the least, by his most wise and holy providence, according to his infallible foreknowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his own will, to the praise of his glory, wisdom, power, justice, goodness, and mercy. The providence of God doth uphold, direct, dispose, and govern everything. Now, R.C. Sproul wrote a book, and the title of the book was The Invisible Hand of God on Providence, which is not a bad definition. The invisible hand of God. The invisible, controlling, upholding, guiding, directing hand of God. It is the behind-the-scenes control of all things, which is taught all over in the Bible. I want to give you just two verses that really uh, are key on this. Both of these will be familiar to you. Ephesians 1.11, and if you've come to Bethel for very long, this is a verse that ought to be just burned into your mind because we come back to it so many times. In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him. Okay, now what plan? What is this plan doing? Who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Now the context here is salvation, but the implication is the fact that God is sovereignly controlling all things. Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who have been called according to his purpose. So that the working out of everything in conformity with the purpose of his will is the, in Romans 8, 28, the all things working together for good. In both cases, what Paul is saying is that we do not live, listen, we do not live in a random universe where things simply happen. That there is a God who is sovereignly and providentially behind every detail of life. Not just the big things, but also the little things. Acts 17 says this, in him we live and move and have our being. And all of life, all of this universe is completely surrounded and controlled by God. And again, some people think, well, of course that's true. We know that he's in charge of like, you know, uh, the, the, the rotation of the earth around the sun and the, maybe the national issues, wars, World War II, national elections, the big macro level things, that's what God is, is over. Did you know what? The Bible goes to great length to tell us this, listen, that God is not only sovereign over the big things, that he is sovereign even down to the details of the hair on our heads. Think of that. The hair on our heads, God is in control of, which for some of you, could be quite disconcerting. <laughs> but think of the amazing wisdom and power that it takes to govern the universe. Think of it. Six billion people. The details of life, right down to what you're wearing today, controlled by God. His providence is exhaustive. It is exhaustive over all things. So the question, though, remains of how does God do this when nearly everything in our world 
has a natural explanation. Nearly everything in our world has a natural cause. For example, we say, praise God it rained. Lord, we thank you that it rained. And yet, we know that rain is the result of a process of heat and water. Well, what, what brought about the rain? The heat and the water? Or God? My heart is pumping inside of me right now by an electrical process that my body controls. Am I thankful that my heart is pumping right now by that natural cause? Yes, indeed. However, is God the one that is the giver of life and sustaining me? Well, yeah. Well, which is it? The natural cause or God doing it? And here is another theological word I'm going to give to you right now. How do we explain God controlling things where there is always a natural explanation for it? And this is the theological word. It is the word concurrence. Okay? Concurrence. Again, let's say that word together. Concurrence. Okay? This is what concurrence means. That God, as the first cause, cooperates with created things. Secondary causes in every action, directing their distinctive principles to cause them to act as they do. The first cause cooperates with the natural laws, inclinations, decisions of the second causes so that what the first cause wants to happen happens, but always through a secondary cause. Did you follow that? The scientific world studies the secondary causes of this universe, and those secondary causes happen with such universal regularity and testable process that they conclude that there is no cause behind the secondary causes, or that we live in a closed universe. There is no supernatural. It is all natural. It is all explainable. There's nothing behind it. And that's how the atheist comes to the conclusion that he does, or the naturalist scientist. But we look in the Bible, and we see that the Bible teaches that behind every natural secondary cause, there is a sovereign providential hand that is, has ordained it, is cooperating with it, is controlling it, and is using those secondary causes for a very specific purpose. And that purpose is that everything conform with the purpose, purpose of his will, Ephesians 1.11, and for those that love God, that all things are working towards a good that God has defined. But he is in control of all of it. And that is the providential hand of God. Now just because there is a natural explanation doesn't mean that God isn't the cause behind it. Okay, Just because there's a natural explanation or maybe there's a normal explanation doesn't mean that God isn't the one behind it because God almost always works through normal secondary causes to accomplish his purposes. You maybe have heard of the man that there was a flood and the man was in the house and the floodwaters were rising and so he crawled up on the roof and he prayed on top of the roof. He said, dear God, save me. And so uh, the waters are rising. Pretty soon here comes this guy in a, in, a, in a canoe and he says, hey, jump in. He says, no, no, I've prayed that God would save me. The guy's like, fine, okay, away he went. 
Waters keep rising. Pretty soon here comes a guy in a, in a powerboat. And uh, he says, hey, hop in. He says, no, no, I've prayed. God's going to save me. I'm fine, away he goes. Well, the waters keep rising. Now they're up to the roof. And here comes a helicopter. Comes down, lets down the ladder. And they say, jump on the ladder. Come on, we'll save you. He says, no, no, I've prayed. God's going to save me. Helicopter flies away. Floodwaters rise. The man drowns. He goes to heaven. He says, dear God, why didn't you save me? God says, I sent a canoe, I sent a boat, I sent a helicopter. What's the problem here? What's the point? That God works through normal, secondary causes to accomplish his purpose. And circumstances, here's now, let's wrap it into circumstances. Circumstances are secondary causes. Every circumstance, no matter how normal or how unbelievable happen chance, is there by the providence of God. It comes by the hand of God. So how does that now relate to knowing God's will? Well, what this has done is it's led many well-intentioned Christians to think that God is giving hints, listen, that God is giving hints all the time about what they want to do because of certain circumstances that came into uh, their life. Now, does God at times do the unbelievable? And the answer is, yes, he does. Especially when we look back on things. We can look back on things and see the fingerprints of the invisible hand of God over things and say, wow, look at what was accomplished because of that. Okay, hindsight's 2020. We can see it better going behind. But that's not where we live when we're making decisions. Decisions are always about the future where we don't have that perspective. So what do you do then? Well, when it comes to knowing God's will in a decision, what we have seen is that God's will is not something to be discovered by keeping our eyes open for signs. And what this does is it leads to a kind of superstition. And I have seen this with Christians, a kind of you know, God, God is hiding in the bushes all the time doing secret little things, and did you see this, and what about that? And people live that way. That's not the way that God intends us to make decisions. God's will has been revealed. It's right here. This is his will for us. And now he expects us to apply wisdom in non-moral decisions in the circumstances that I am facing, or the circumstances of the decision that I need to make. Now, there are two primary reasons for not assuming that God is the one uh, that is opening an apparent door of circumstance. Now, when I say open door, this is a common parlance, is that the word? Common vernacular for, uh, if you've been in churches very long, you know that, that you hear that quite often. Open door. It was an open door. How do we know if God is leading us through an open door circumstance or not. And I'm saying there's two reasons not to assume that an open door is necessarily God's will. First of all, we don't know who opened the door. We don't know who opened the door. Now, I just got done saying that God is sovereign over everything, but we also recognize in Scripture that there are other players at work here. If we're not careful, our perception of an open door will automatically assume that it is open for our good, but not every circumstance is good and wise, is it? No. In fact, there are other people who might open doors. For example, Satan will open a door of temptation to us. Does that mean that we're to go through it? No. No, certainly not if Satan's the one behind it. 
Our fleshly desires will open doors in our hearts when there's some opportunity that that fleshly desire says, now that sounds good, doesn't it? And suddenly now, in our minds, we think, well, look at the open door. This looks like something that's going to be pleasurable. And our flesh will deceive us into thinking that something is from God because it seems so wonderful, and I would be so happy with that. It must be from God. You know, by the same token, people say, well, God closed the door. I think we ought to be very careful when we say that as well. We don't know who necessarily closed the door. Sometimes, apparently, closing doors need to be kicked in. Okay? Sometimes, apparently, closing doors need to be kicked in if we perceive that it's something that God wants us to do. You know, something I want to say now, because I think I might forget before I'm done with my sermon. Don't assume that the path of wisdom is always the easiest or best, I shouldn't say best, the easiest or most pleasurable path. You might say that, you know what, if I apply wisdom, then I'm going to get the house with the garage and the, and the backyard. Where the path of wisdom might say, I drive by the house and I see that and I recognize, you know what, my money would be better invested over here in the kingdom. Or this might be a better path for me to go for my family. The easy path is not always the right path, and wisdom doesn't always lead us to the right path. I was reading last night about uh, second century martyrdom, and they said, boy, they seem to really embrace martyrdom. Martyrdom is a very wise path. It's not the easy one, though, is it? So don't assume, don't twist wisdom into whatever is going to make, make me happy or m- make things good for me, because otherwise nobody would ever go to the mission field. Nobody would ever sacrifice for the Lord. So don't make that mistake. All right, here's the second reason that we need to be careful about apparent open doors, is that circumstances don't come with God's interpretation. Okay? Circumstances don't come with a set of directions. And we desperately want circumstances to give us direction, but to do so, we always have to interpret them. And Scripture gives us no insight into how to read the providence of God. For example, I've heard of people that that they have in their mind, they say this, that if, if it rains on somebody's wedding day, that that's like a sign that maybe God's not so happy about this. Have you ever heard about this? Well, what if the guy, the groom's a farmer? The farmer's family's going, boy, God's really in this rain. Look at the rain. It's raining on the wedding day. It's a sure sign of good crops ahead. You see, you could totally read it two different ways, depending on your, on your perspective. And that's the problem, is that circumstances don't come with a set of divine directions. We don't know what God is doing or what his plan is. So therefore, we shouldn't assume that we do. As Proverbs 3 says, When we trust in the Lord with all our hearts, Lean not on our own understanding and acknowledge Him in all our ways. He will make our paths straight. You're listening to The Journey with Steve DeWitt and a message called The Providence of God. Well, here on The Journey, our aim is to guide you in your life journey towards the unwavering and immutable truth found in God's Word. That's why each day on the radio and internet, we take you into the depth of Scripture while making its truth easy to understand and applicable to your daily life. But as a listener-supported program, none of this would be possible without you. The journey relies in part on the financial gift of generous friends just like you, our listening family. Your support helps keep us on the radio and the internet, sharing the gospel with listeners worldwide so that they too can discover God and His will for their lives. So would you help by giving a generous gift today? Just call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844 844- 
7568763 or give online at thejourney.fm. As a thank you for your generous gift, we'd like to send you a book titled Decision Making and the Will of God. In this expanded 25th anniversary edition of his highly acclaimed work, author Gary Friesen examines the prevalent view on God's will today and provides a sound biblical alternative to the traditional teaching of how God guides us. This new edition includes a study guide for small groups, insightful answers to frequently asked questions, and a guide to painless scripture memorization. Request a copy to read along with our current series today or give one to a friend. Call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763 or visit thejourney.fm. Well, that's all our time for today. I'm Tim Svoboda, inviting you to join us tomorrow when Pastor Steve DeWitt concludes the message, The Providence of God. That's coming up Thursday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.